conversation this week. I can't. I want to ask, are there anyone here that's, that's been in the military? Would you stand up with, with us right now? In the military, you're a firefighter. How about a police officer? Any police officers or sheriff departments? Anyone in those kind of things? I, I just want to take the opportunity, y'all could be seated, just to thank you for your service. If you're in a, any, any form of the military, anything like that. You know, guys, it, it hits me that Jesus asked us to give up our life and be willing to die for it. And many of us have lost family members through the military, through different things. The first thing I thought about the other morning when I heard about those, those five police officers getting shot was that uh, our next-door neighbor is a police officer. And about two and a half years ago, I baptized him last year. I baptized his two of his children. My wife was, was prominent in helping him come to Christ and his, his kids coming to Christ. And all I could think about was, what if that was Mike? I mean, he and his wife, two and a half years ago, asked Debbie and I to raise their kids for him if they passed away. I thought, what if it was Mike? Guys, I want us to take a moment here and just pray for our nation. I received something the other night from a good friend of mine named Rusty Smallwood. Rusty is a, uh, um, was a police officer himself. And he just wrote this out, sent this out. It's just a, a text he sent. He said, the highly publicized police shootings of recent days and months is a terrible part of policing, but it is a part, you know, it happens. You know, it's a dangerous job. No single person wants the actions or the reactions, but they have been a part of human life since Adam and Eve. That which happened in Dallas is not just a, a Dallas tragedy. It is an American tragedy. The activists featured on the evening news tonight said, we need to come together and discuss why these things are happening. That statement and attitude, he said, insults me to the very core. Those activists did not condemn the shooter. Instead, they want to discuss why it happened. Why are the activists not saying, let me lead the protest and the processional and of let this never happen again. The very fabric of our nation is being torn apart by the media, which seems to stoke any controversy for the sake of ratings. The preamble of our Constitution of the United States says, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, not a perfect union, but a more perfect union, we cannot be in unison as a union when we are torn apart by those who profit from our destruction. If the pulpits across America do not lead the processional of a more perfect unionized people, there will soon be no American union whatsoever, no nation. When an extremity of the human body is wounded, the wounds become painful. When a wound is not dressed in healing, uh, and a healing salve or an antibiotic balm is not applied to it, the wound will get infected and become putrid. Soon a terrible smell emits from the wound and the infection becomes a poison to the body and gets into the bloodstream. Soon that wound will be poisoning to the entire body. At some time, only, uh, only option to save the life of a person is to amputate the infected extremity. In extreme cases, the entire body will die from what started as a wound that was not treated properly or addressed. This seems to be the American path. A wound undressed, a putrid smell of corruption and severe infection. Neither the political office holder, the appointed bureaucrats, the judiciary, or even those vested with full authority of the people, that is the police, are able to heal this greater wound. The only hope for America's wound seems to be the bomb of Gilead. Jeremiah 8, 22. So as the people 
As the popular police poem reads, somebody shot a policeman today, and a part of America died. His name's Commander Rusty Smallwood, retired. Guys, we need to pray for our nation. We need to lift up our nation. We don't need to get on one side or the other of anything. We need to get on our faces and weep over our nation because every single one of us are sinners. The issue of our nation is sin. There's a lot of battles going on on what's going to happen in Washington. Let me share this with you and be as honest as I can with you. And you may end up firing your, your interim pastor on the first day, but I believe this with all my heart. What happens in Washington is not going to heal what's happening in this nation. What's going to heal this nation is when the church stands up and becomes that healing salve to the people of this nation because only Jesus can heal what this nation needs. And that is the truth. Straight from the heart, guys. That's what it is. And let me say this to you as a church. Over the next many months, if ever how long it takes before you you find your next pastor. Jeff is a close friend of mine. I love him very much. I I keep up with him. He's just, you know, I, he he is, I've been honored that he's allowed me to be kind of a mentor. And I, I appreciate that very much. I love him dearly. But let me say this. We have to stick together as a church. We have to stick together for the cross of Jesus Christ, for the, for the purpose of reaching this community, your family members, this neighborhood, this, this, this community around us. It cannot be about chasing personalities. I love Jeff with all my heart, but God called Jeff someplace else. It has to be about chasing Jesus. And I can promise you sometimes in the next several months, you may disagree with something I say in this pulpit. I'm going to say this to you. Please don't go tell somebody else. Come tell me. Let's sit down and let's talk. That's what Christians do. That's what we should do. You know what, guys? I've been married to that woman over there. Stand up, Debbie. I brought my wife, my daughter with me today. This is my wife, Debbie. This is my wife and my daughter, Kara. All right? I'll have my, my other daughter just got married a few weeks ago, and, and uh, I'll have she and her new husband, who's about 6'4", coming church here sometime, y'all can meet them too as well. Uh, we're, we're giving them a first year before we start bugging them about grandchildren too much though. I did offer them a reward if they, if they, were, if they had that before they were 30 though. I did say I would give them a bonus. Anyway, <laughs> let me say this, I've been married to that woman over there for 33 years. I, there are many things of which we have disagreed with. Anybody who's been married for more than 10 minutes knows that, amen? I love that woman with all my heart. I would take a bullet for her any day. I would take a bullet for any of you any day as well, too, because you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. We are in this together to reach this community, but God bind us together in his strength, and let's pray for our nation. Pray for those officers that are out there. Let them know and stop, and let them know how much you appreciate that. Yes, let's dig deeper and find out what some of the other issues are in our nation, and let's look at that as well. There's no place in our nation for prejudice or hatred, or any of those kinds of things. There's no place in the gospel for that. So what I want to do is I want to open us up in a word of prayer, and I'm going to ask you to pray too as well. Pray for our nation, pray for our church, pray for this morning, that God would move in this morning's service, okay? Father, in Jesus' name, I come before you and I ask you in the name of the Most High, Jesus Christ, that God, that you would, you would first and foremost, Lord, Search our hearts, and if there's anything in us that is not of you, if there are any, any you know, objectives that are not of you, if there's any 
anything, Father, whatsoever that's not of you. If there's any attitude that is not of you. If there's any, any sense. Of, your, your word says to, to not even lay down and, and pray before we, if we know that someone has something against us. God, I pray that you will, you will pull together this body here, Rocky Mount Baptist Church. But I ask in Jesus' name, God, that you will pull them together. I pray, Father, over the next few months as we get to know each other, God, that your Holy Spirit will be, be, be the one who, who is, one who is on, on display here, Father. And God, I pray as, as we seek the next person who will fill this pulpit, God, I pray it will be you that will lead, not opinions of man, but the will of God. And God, I pray for our nation, Lord. I pray for our police officers and our firemen and our military people. I pray for our nation and those who have been injured and hurt, Father, over hatred and things that have happened. God, let us not be the purveyors of that, but let us, God, be the purveyors of Christ to pull together as one body. May your Holy Spirit lead us, God, as we come together, as we pray, Father. Lord, I pray for those who are out there today, Father, overseas protecting our nation, for those who are walking our streets, Father. I pray, God, for our nation that you will, yes, Father, pull us together. Father, may we as your church, Lord Jesus Christ, be an avenue, be an instrument of that, of that unity of your body, of this nation together. May the gospel, your truth of the gospel, Father, reign. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles up to Joshua chapter 6 this morning. And let me say this. Where is the, the, the lady that, that did the vacation Bible school? Where is she at? Would you stand up for just a moment here? I want you to know that I, I love Vacation Bible School. My undergraduate degree was elementary education, believe it or not. And I love, I love Vacation Bible School. My wife will tell you, I'm planning on being there at least two of the nights, Tuesday and Wednesday night, because I, I, I know I can be there those nights. And I was already going to volunteer to be slimed. Let me tell you what happened at my last church. We went from 125 in Vacation Bible School in two and a half years to 360. And you know what I told them? When we challenged them to get uh, uh, 250, my, my, my uh, children's minister stood up and she said, if you'll do that, if you'll get 250, she told the kids, then Dr. Wheeler or David, uh, David, uh, David will kiss the back end of a pig, they'll, they'll haul it, and they hauled it into the parking lot on the last night. So I stood up about Wednesday when we hit 250, and I said, okay, if you hit 300 by Friday, Charlene will kiss the opposite end I kiss, okay? <laughs> we had 300 plus by Friday, all right? No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to get a cow, okay? We're not going to do that. Sliming is okay, all right? I chased that pig around once. I kissed him on the forehead. It was the most funny thing in the world. <laughs> Guys, I love y'all. We're going to have a good time. Joshua 6, thank you so much for your leadership in that, by the way. Joshua 6, let me read this to you, beginning in verse 6, and we're going to read uh, uh, through verse 11, then beginning for verse 14. Let's begin reading here. Uh, Joshua 6, here he goes. Turn over one more page. It says, so Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the priest and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and have seven priests carry seven trumpets in front of the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Move forward and march around the city and have the armed troops go ahead of the Ark of the Lord. And after Joshua had spoken to the people, seven priests carrying seven trumpets before the Lord moved forward and blew the trumpets and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. While the trumpets were blowing, the armed troops went in front of the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard went behind the ark. But Joshua 
had commanded the people, do not shout or, or let your voice be heard. Do not let one word come out of your mouth until the time I say shout, then you shall shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the city, circling at once. They returned to the camp and spent the night there. Let's go to verse 14. We'll read to verse 16 then verse 20. It says, on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. And they did that for six days. Early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and marched around the city seven times. In the same way, that, that was the only, only day that they marched around the city seven times. After the seventh time, the priests blew the trumpets, and Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 20. So the people shouted, and the trumpets sounded. And when they heard the blast of the trumpets, the people gave a great shout. And the walls literally collapsed or fell down flat. The people advanced into the city, each man straight ahead of him, and they captured the city. I want to talk to you this morning about a time to trust. A time to trust. Now, several years ago, I was coming out of, uh, of uh, um, Asheville, North Carolina. I had been speaking at a church about three or four days just north of there, Morganton, North Carolina. And, and uh, Asheville has a new airport now. At that time, it was just basically just a real small little area and, and so we got to the airport that morning about eight o'clock and my flight was supposed to take off at 8 30 we checked in went to the back at about 8 20 they loaded us on this little prop plane you know and we were going to fly to charlotte and i was living in indianapolis at that time we got on the plane 8 30 came and no and there was nothing 8 40 came 8 45 came and finally over the intercom system the the uh the uh um Pilot said, he said, folks, I am so sorry. We're going to have to cancel this flight. He said, federal rules, they regulate that you have to have so much distance and clearance, but the fog is too thick, and we've checked the weather, and it's not supposed to clear for at least another hour. He said, you're going to have to deplane. I know this is an inconvenience. We will get you home or get you where you're going to your trip, whatever it may be, as soon as possible. So everybody started getting off the plane, except me. Except me. I sat there on the plane and had a conversation with God. You ever done that before? You ever had something happen you just don't want to happen and you're trying to change God's mind? You know what I'm talking about, guys? And so I, they would get off the plane. I'm literally, I am sitting there and the stewardess up front is staring at me and my mouth is moving because I'm talking to God. And I know she's about to call the people like, you know, the straitjacket and everything like that. And here's my conversation. I said, and I'm not kidding you. Here's exactly what I said. I said, Lord. I said, I need to get home. I haven't seen my family in six days. I'm tired. I'm worn out. And, you know, I, I need to get home, catch up with my work. Please, Lord, get those people back on this plane now. They have radar in that cockpit. They have radar up in that tower. They can take this plane off. No matter what, they can do it. Get them back on this plane. <laughs> All of heaven laughed, okay? And I heard, it was, it was interesting because I was sitting there, and, and I, I didn't hear the verbal voice of God, but in my spirit, I just felt the Lord speaking to me. And here's what he said. It's like he said, David, do you know that pilot? And I said, no. He said, then you don't know if that pilot's been on a three-day drunk. You don't know if that pilot's a, you know, a drug addict. You don't know if that pilot got his license at Walmart. You don't have a clue. And I said, no. And here's what the Lord said. I've never forgotten this, word for word. He said, then I find it odd that you would trust someone you don't even know to take you somewhere they can't even see when you won't trust me to take you where I can see. Wow. Think about that. You'll trust someone you don't even know to take you somewhere they can't even see 
when you won't trust me to take you where he can send you. Guys, do you realize that we practice more faith every time we go to a restaurant than we do in our daily live, faith, our daily life with Christ? Come on. We go to a restaurant, and you sit there, and somebody comes and takes your order, and they go back behind doors, and you don't know what they're doing. And I've watched those videos on YouTube. I know exactly what they do back there. So, I mean, how many of you have ever worked at a restaurant before? You know what I'm talking about. Right, yeah. How many of you would eat at that restaurant again? You know what I'm talking about? No. So you trust someone you don't even know to go somewhere you can't even see. And you don't know if they scraped the fries off the plate that was before you and put it in the microwave, right? You don't have a clue. You hope they didn't do that, right? Think about that. Guys, it's going to take faith and trust over the next months or, or, or a year, whatever it takes, the, the ride that God has ahead of us. We cannot get discouraged in that ride. We must trust Him in that ride. We must know that God's ultimate will and plan, the best that He wants for this church will happen if God's people will simply stay on the plane and keep riding. Don't move. Don't move. Because we can trust our God. Maybe we cannot see Him, but we see His handiwork all around us, don't we? How many of you have sensed God in your life at least one time in your life? Come on. You know God's handiwork. You have seen it. How can you, anyone who's ever watched a child be born, not recognize the handiwork of God? So let me give you several things I want us to remember this morning. First of all, we have to ask the question, is God honest? Well, we have to trust his word, trust his promise, trust his promise. You look back at the very first part of Joshua, what you see there, the first couple of verses, you see a picture there uh, I mean, of what, what's happening that morning. Joshua is having his quiet time with God, and God begins to speak to him. And this is what he says. You can look at verse 2. Here's what it says. Josh, God says to Joshua, he says, Joshua, he says, listen to me, for I am giving Jericho into your hands. I am giving Jericho into your hands. He doesn't say, I'm thinking about giving Jericho into your hands. He doesn't say, it's a possibility. He doesn't say, if you do this. He says, I'm giving it into your hands. Come on, guys. Think about that. It's the same thing that, that God told Moses even earlier when he called him out of that burning bush. He says, if you will go, I will be with you. Trust me. I will be with you. He, come on, guys. Can God lie, yes or no? Yes or no? God cannot lie. He said, I am giving Jericho into your hands. I think what God is saying to this church is, I'm giving Rocky Mount into your hands if you will trust me. I'm going to use you for his glory if you will trust me. God cannot lie. Trust his promises. Trust his promises. Number two, how about this? Second question. Is God able? In other words, can he do it? You have to trust his strength. Trust his strength. You look at verse 11. Look at what it says. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the city, circling it once and returned to the camp. Trust his strength. Why did they carry the ark of the Lord? Because it represented the power and presence of God. It represented the power and the presence of God. We have to trust him. We have to trust his what he's going to do. We have to trust this. Can God do this? Absolutely he can do this. 
trust his power to do this. Listen, I'm going to tell you our story, our family story, because I don't think I've ever done that at this church before. I'll do that with you in a couple weeks here. I, I will come and share a testimony with you in a few weeks. But, but just, just suffice it to say that that lady sitting over there is a miracle. God told us 26 years ago that she wouldn't live but a few days. She's been on off chemo for 22 of the last 26 years. She had five joint replacements, three in the last four years. God told us when Kara was born, she was 14 inches long and weighed a pound and 15 ounces. They told us that she would never walk, she'd never be able to function, she'd never be able to do anything. She graduated from high school with honors and graduated from Liberty two years ago. We have seen God work. We know the power of God. We know when the, when, when, when the knowledge of the doctor ends and the power of God begins. Trust me, we've been there, we've seen it over and over again. So when I say to you, trust God's power, I'm saying to you, there is nothing our God cannot do. Nothing our God cannot do. Nothing. Nothing. Number three, question here. Does God know? Well, yes, if you read verses 7 through 11, you see that God reveals his plan. We have to trust his plan. Now, his plan may be crazy, because think about this, I'm you know, I, I'm sitting, thinking through a human mind, and I'm thinking to myself, wouldn't it be easier if God just sent down the fighter bombers, blew out the walls, we go in and we, we clear them out in one day, everything's done, we're back, we're not having to march around the walls every day, it's not hot, it's not sweaty, it's not nasty. Come on, guys, you know this is true. Think about this. By Wednesday of that week, there, there were already people, the precursors to the modern Baptist, I promise you, who were putting committees together trying to oust Joshua, saying he didn't hear from God, he simply had indigestion, right? It's hot out here. Can you believe he's making us do He didn't hear from God. What are we marching around these walls for? They're, they're mumbling to themselves because that's what people do. But I can promise you, on that Sunday, that, that seventh day, when, when they marched around the walls, not one time, not two, not three, not five, but that seventh time, because had they stopped at five, the walls would have never fall, fallen. Had they stopped at six, the walls would have never fallen. But I can assure you this, when that seventh time and they marched around and God said to shout, come on, why don't you shout with me? I, I know it's a little bit odd for some of us, but just say hallelujah. Come on, ready? One, two, three, go. Oh, man, come on, guys. you got to knock, knock that charismatic church. They can hear you down the road. Let's say it one time. One more time. One, one, two, three. Hallelujah. They shouted. And what happened? The walls began to crumble. Do you know they have unearthed Jericho? You know what they found out? They found out, and this is odd, but think about this. They found out that the walls actually fell outward. So when the Bible says the walls fell flat, what it's saying is, is that God brought the walls down. Come on. If the army was pushing, they'd push them inward, right? The walls fell outward. Because God brought the walls down. Trust his plan. I know some of you sitting here this morning going, but I love Jeff. You know what? Join the club. I do too. Love his wife. Guess what? Guess what we all do. Man, he was just having that little baby we're going to miss seeing that little baby. He'll come back, I promise you, okay? But guys, we don't follow men. We follow God. And we have to trust his plan. Come on. 
Every one of us has to trust his plan. We have to recognize that God has a reason for what he does, what he allows to do. We have to trust that Jeff was exactly the person who was supposed to go to that church. I know many of the people in that area. One of the primary pastors in that area called me when he found out about Jeff. He called me and he says, you know Jeff, so tell me all about him. He said, because David, he said, there are so many lost people in this area. He said, we, de we desperately need that church to thrive in this community. We do not compete down here. We complement each other because there's so many lost people. We need to reach them. I said, then Jeff's your man. Guys, I know you loved him. I know that. You should have. I do too. But you got to trust his plan. We don't trust men. We trust God. We trust God. I remember one night when Debbie was at her worst and she was about to have surgery. I remember the doctor looked at me and, and I said, Doc, what, what, what can we do? And he said, just pray, David. I smiled for a moment and I said, Doc. I said, so basically you're telling me you don't know any more than I do, right? He says, David, he said, at this point, he said, we're only limited in what we can do. This is God. Trust God. Let me ask you, do you trust him, yes or no? You've got to trust his plan. You've got to trust what God wants to do with this church in the days to come. And God is not even there's no near, not even near being through with this church. God has a great plan. How about this? Can God deliver? Can God deliver? You know, you got to trust God's character. That is, trust his provision. Look what happened in verse 20. It says, and the people began to shout, and the walls collapsed. They fell down flat. That's what, I mean, think about what happened. Can God deliver? How many of you in this room have someone you know that doesn't know Christ? Someone you've been praying for for a long time. Someone whose heart may be hardened. Why don't we start praying that God would bring down the walls in their life? A friend of mine called me a couple years ago. He's one of my best friends in the world. I've known him since I was in the ninth grade. His name's Raymond McPherson. In fact, uh, uh, we've been on vacation with him. I saw him just a couple weeks ago. Raymond texted me a couple years ago and he says, David, he said, my dad got saved tonight. Now, we've been praying for Jimmy Mack for 35 years. 35 years we've been praying for Jimmy. You know what happened? His son-in-law got cancer. He was born again. On his deathbed, he looked at Jimmy and he said, Jimmy, he said, one day you're going to be in this bed too. He said, where are you going to go? Jimmy asked him, then what do I do? And he shared the gospel with him and Jimmy got saved. Raymond said, 35 years of praying. My first church I ever pastored was out in the hills of East Tennessee. Irving College Baptist Church on the hills of Bershaber Spring Mountain. <laughs> we had singings all the time. <laughs> and we ate good too, I'm telling you right now, we did. I'm going back doing their homecoming in the fall for them. And yeah. Get some beans and hoe cakes, yeah. Anyway, let me, let me you know, one of the, my best deacons I've ever had in my life a guy named John. His wife told me, she said, you know, I prayed for John for 25 years. Every morning, every Sunday morning, we'd get up and get ready. I'd get ready to go to church, and John, I'd cook his breakfast, and he'd get up and he'd eat, and I'd go to church. She said, 25 years. One morning I got up, one Sunday morning I got up, and I, 
I went to do what I always did, and I walked back in there, and John was, John had his, taking a shower, and he had his suit on. She said, where are you going? He said, well, silly, I'm going to church. She said, she almost asked him, excuse me, is this a dream? What, what, what are you going where? you got to be kidding, right? Who paid you? <laughs> he said, no, I think it's time. Two weeks later, John was saved. You know what she said? She said, I never stopped praying for him for 25 years. Never. Never. Can God deliver? Yes or no? Can he deliver? Yes or no? Is he sufficient for all of our needs? Yes or no? Then trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Does God care? You have to trust his purpose. Look at what happens in verse 20. Look what it says. And the people advanced in the city straight ahead of him, and they captured the city. Trust his purpose. Trust his purpose for what God has for this church. Trust what God wants to do with this church. And if you look at verse, uh, we'll go look at chapter 7 next week. But think about this. Think about what all this means. You know, we have to trust him completely. Can God deliver? Hmm. Think about it. Would you trust someone you don't even know to take you somewhere they can't even see when you won't trust God to take you where he can see? Guys, I can promise you that as your interim pastor, I'm going to mess up from time to time. There's probably not a more imperfect human being in this place than me. But I can promise you that if you'll give me a chance, I will try to love you. Krispy Kreme donuts. Ooh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway. And yes, I'm ADD, okay? All right. In my class, we tell them, I tell them that when we use the word Krispy Kreme, I got a couple of my students back there. Am I not right, guys? When I tell them to use the word Krispy Kreme, we stop for a moment of homage. We worship. <laughs> I actually had a student come up to me one day and say, I'm offended that you worship donuts. I said, yes, I have an altar at home where I lay the donuts on, and every day we take a different kind of donut. And we, No, we don't, okay? I'm just kidding, all right? Let me say this to you. If you give me a chance, give us a chance, I'll, I'll try to be there for you as much as I can to love you as a church. But we have to do that. That goes two ways. It does. We have to trust God's plan, guys. And I want you to rest and relax a little bit because God has a plan. Nothing's falling apart. God has a plan. He knows exactly what he wants to do. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. I promise you. He's faithful. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? This morning, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to invite you as a church to come to this altar together and let's start off this time together by praying together and asking God to unify us as a body as he unifies our nation. That God would, that we would trust him. That doesn't mean that we, we, we don't miss Jeff, those kinds of things. What it does mean is that we, we, we love God and we want to trust him. 
He has a purpose. He has a direction by which he wants this church to go. And he loves you. And I can promise you, guys, if he knows every hair on our head, then he knows every hurt and every heart in this place. And he loves you. Trust him. This morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to ask you this morning to simply just right where you are, just ask Christ if this is the time, if he's tugging at your heart, he's saying, you know, it's time that you surrender your life to me. It's time. It's time that you turn away from your old self and you turn to me. I would love to be able to explain to you exactly what that means if you would just give me a chance. So I'm going to stand down here. If you want to come, you come. Maybe you want to join the church. I don't know. My purpose this morning is I want to call this church body out for us to pray together. That we unify ourselves together. That God moves among us. So I'm going to open this altar up this morning for you to come. And just kneel together and just say, God, take my heart, take my life. Because I can promise you over the next year, God's going to call some of you out to do things you never thought you would do. You know why? Because that's what God does. We don't follow Christ from the outside in. We follow Christ from the inside out. Lord, in Jesus' name right now, I come before you. I ask you, Lord, that God, that you would take this time and that you would move in our hearts, God. And that, Father, that you would draw us to yourself. Or maybe there's someone here who doesn't know you. Maybe there's someone here who's hurting this morning. They just need someone to pray for them. They need someone to love them, to just listen to them. God, there's no greater place than your altar to go into your presence. You told us, you said, come unto me, all you weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God, I am weak. We all are. It's in our weakness, though, that you are strong, that we find your presence. And God, I pray your Holy Spirit upon this church. I pray you'll bind this church body together. I pray your Holy Spirit will move among us. I pray you'll draw us out, Lord, and send us out even more than before, ever before. I pray, God, that you will call us. I pray, God, this morning we'll be able to take a deep breath and rest in your presence and your mercy and your grace and know that you've got it all under control. Though we don't see you, we know you are there because we've experienced you and, and we, your word says it is true. We've seen your handiwork in the lives of others and everywhere we go. And this morning, God, call us out, God, please. Shake us at the core of our souls. We may follow you, walk with you, surrender to you, rest in you. We trust you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm asking you to stand. And as you stand, you come. Come on, church. Let's kneel together as a church this morning and ask God to just take us and unify us and pull us together. Come on. Come on, church, right now. Let's come. If someone needs Christ this morning, 
come see me. I'd love to tell you how you can do that. Let's sing.